0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting,
1: fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones. And I know this gentleman... He's going to talk about ice fishing. The fact that it's 60 degrees today will not deter him. He's just returned from the ice show in Minnesota, which we talked to him while he was there. I'm sure he'll have new things to enlighten us on and he's got some tournaments coming up and mr nate zelinski people i know they're not in the ice fishing mood yet but i drove down today and even though we've had this warm weather you could see sheets of ice starting to form at uh saint for ponds and on some other ponds the nights are cold uh the water temperatures are down we only need two or three days of cold weather and we'll be right on track for some fishable ice
2: i mean i agree 100 percent terry you know. uh, I think everybody, you know, again, you look at the stack. you got to look at everything. And uh, it seems like everybody's getting more excited for ice earlier and earlier. Every year it's earlier and earlier. You know, we. uh, I think if you look back, you know, when I was taught as a kid, everybody always talked about Christmas. Christmas was the kickoff of ice season. Everything revolved around uh, a third, fourth week of December as the start of the ice season. And now it seems like, you know, guys are hiking up to, you know, 13,000 feet to find ice in October. And now if you don't have ice in – Third, fourth week in November, people start to panic. And in reality, um, you know, we always say Chatfield's fishable at Christmas. You always say that, you know, the big reservoirs, you know, the Grand Beach, Malls are fishable at Christmas. So, you know, any ice before then is is a bonus, which in the mountains right now, we have a lot of ice. So we always call it kind of the the bonus season, the bonus ice for having that now. Um, So I think everything's lined up. And again, everybody, obviously, even as a a tournament director myself, um, the more ice and the earlier the ice, we actually love seeing it. Get people on the ice. You know, it's a, it's a sport where everybody can enjoy it affordably. It's easy, um, but again, I, I wouldn't panic. Everybody's looking at the forecast. There's so you know you look at the forums, you look at Facebook. There's so much negativity on. Yeah, it's sixty degrees. I mean, I I actually drove by uh, Chatfield this morning. It was like four a.m. I just drove into the park real quick uh, on my way downtown, um, and I actually just put the headlights on the North Ramp and we had skim ice. Um, you know, it, it's all gone now. It, it's forming at night and it's disappearing during the day. Uh, but regardless, the nights are cold and it's coming. Uh, you know, whether people want it or not, um, the ice is coming. And you know, whether it comes uh, tomorrow or comes in three weeks, it's just one of those things that uh, it kind of comes as Mother Nature. And generally speaking, um, if if we don't have ice at Christmas... I start to panic a little bit. But uh, as far as uh, anything before then, that's uh, that's not a, not a fear in my personal opinion.
1: Well, and there's, there's a lot of uh, smaller mountain lakes that probably are frozen right now. I actually was out of town this week, so I didn't get to get out and do some checking. I'm going to do that this week. But I usually used to check, like, red feathers and... Um North Michigan Reservoir, and a lot of those are frozen pretty early. They've got enough ele- elevation, and they're small enough. They freeze pretty quickly. I, I don't want to give any erroneous reports, but I'll get out and check some. <laughs> have you checked? Have you checked anywhere? In a- I have. You
2: know, we've been spending some time on um, you know, Some of the bigger bodies of water, I think the, the most probably talked about body of water in the entire state right now is the Entero. um obviously opened up after a three-year closure this year it was open to shore fishing and float tubes uh opened up in june uh the fishing is incredible there's some big fish um obviously it, it's a hot topic um the lake is frozen now we have reports the the most ice i have heard of is four and a half inches um i think realistically i think we got to about four and a quarter, uh, two and a half days ago, three days ago. Um, and I think we had some wind yesterday and got some moisture on top of the ice. So I would say ice thickness on Ontario is varying from one and a quarter to maybe four and a half, uh, depending on where you are at. Now, I will say right now that ice looks Scary as anything you've ever walked on. So Antara right now, looks like a looks like a coffee table. The, the ice froze in one night, so we do not have bubbles in it. There was no wind, uh, and there was no no movement. So the ice is literally whether you're on the, the two inches or the four and a half inches, it is solid, clear. So as you walk, you can see the vegetation, you can see fish swimming. uh, So it looks spooky. So it's one of those things that you have to check the ice very often. You can't see cracks to judge thickness. You're not going to see pressure cracks where it's pushed. Um, So it's definitely one of those unique situations in this early ice. So carrying a spud bar, checking the ice very, very frequently is a must out there, Um, as well as being aware of the conditions. I know that we've had Three Or four pressure ridges uh, kind of develop over the last couple of days, and, and Tarot is notorious for one of those fisheries, shallow water, Scott Springs, um, for changing throughout the course of the day. I had a situation, you know, four years ago out there where I was living on eight inches of ice, um, and I had it not so much that it, it thinned up, it just broke apart in severe winds, 40 mile an hour winds, really shoved the ice uh from the west to the east and kind of added a lot of cracks where you. you would literally be walking and as you cross pressure cracks they were wanting to give out on you and it turned into a, a giant checkerboard puzzle um as change conditions change throughout the day so it's early there is ice be very very safe uh, uh, another week and that ice will be great so so holding off a week would be fantastic but uh terry all reservoirs frozen has ice same thing we're seeing ice uh you know, two and a half, three inches, up to five inches, Ontario. Um, and then most of the other reservoirs are about the same. Uh, 11 mile, you're getting ice in the bays. The main body of water is still open or, or freezing and thawing throughout the course of the day. It's one of those things you have to check up on it almost daily uh, to see what that is doing. Snake River, uh, you know, Dylan, that's probably one of the hottest, early spites. Obviously, they have, ai a, don't want to say a, a genetically stunted fish, but they have a, a really a smaller downsize of the kokanee salmon in that reservoir right there at their inlet. Uh, And those fish are in there spawning right now. They're in strength of numbers. There's a a lot of kokanee. You get some browns in there feeding on the eggs and post-spawn, as well as some rainbows cruising through there. And that same thing, um, I know that they had quite a bit of ice um, upwards of six inches and in was a really strong west wind that actually pushed the open water from the main lake into that inlet. I know they had some deterioration, some cracking. Um, I did not get a report as of the last 24 hours of, of how that ice is doing, uh, but that's a cold spot. The back of the base generally protected. Uh, so generally speaking, I would say you're probably having a uh, fishable ice in that situation. But again, every, every day you're on the ice, you have to check it as so much changes so quickly this time of year.
1: I, I agree. Uh, safety is the utmost. I'll see if I can bug Karen to put some ice recommendations on the uh, our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. But don't by any means take those as absolute because you have to use some common sense with that and check the ice. Before we do run out of time, Nate, so tell us about your upcoming tournament series. How do people get in? Where are the events going to tentatively be held? Give us an update.
2: Absolutely, you know, we just want to talk about ice tournaments in general. Obviously, I, uh, I own and operate the ice addiction tournament series. Um, our goal is to create a very fun, fair event. So, our tournaments are very unique to to the average tournament, I would say, that you're generally used to seeing or possibly participating in. So we pick a section of the lake and we mark it off. So uh, all of our anglers are fishing in one area of the lake. So knowledge of the lake doesn't help you out. So if you're uh, a retired angler, you've figured out how to fish five days of the week. A lot of times that might give you an advantage in some tournaments. In our tournament, uh, it really comes down to individual angler skill to where you can hook your fish, land your fish, uh, but we eliminate the, the secret honey holes per Say so we're all fishing in one section of the lake. So, like at Boyd Reservoir, we're fishing all there in that Marina Bay. um You know, and different things like that. So it's kind of a unique tournament. All the anglers are fishing about thirty feet apart. We pre-drill the holes, so everything is set in grid. So you know, you at least have your thirty-foot space between you and another angler. So it's great to see that, to where you're not, you know, overwhelmed with somebody sitting five feet from you in some tournament. So uh it's great for that. And then we do a ton of prizes. So this year. First place is a brand new Polaris ATV uh, in partnership with Sun. So we love Mark Kite and those guys down there. So we're giving out a Polaris ATV as our first place prize. In total, at each event, we're going to be giving out over $25,000 in cash and prizes. Uh, So over $25,000 in cash and prizes per event. We have five events this year. So our first event is coming up in the first weekend of January at Chatfield Reservoir. Then uh, coming up uh, on the third week of January, we have Boyd Reservoir. So we're excited about that. Then after that, we actually go to Starvation Reservoir in Utah, just outside of Duchesne. Then we come back in uh, the second week of February, and we're at Blue Mesa Reservoir. And then our, our final event is actually in American Falls Reservoir, uh, right outside of American Falls in Idaho. So we're really excited about the lineup this year. We're in three states. Five events, 25000 per event. Uh, it's a four-hour tournament. so you show up, fish four hours, the single heaviest fish wins. So you don't have to catch a limit. You don't have to catch a, a variety of things. Literally, single fish. So you, whether you want to get lucky or want to get good, um, the opportunity is one fish can literally win you a, a big prize. And generally speaking, a lot of people think about tournaments and, hey, I'm not good enough. Hey, I'm not ready to compete. Um Just to give you an idea, majority of our tournaments are won with a fish weighing less than three pounds. So, so many of the people listening to this have probably caught a three-pound fish, a a two-and-a-half-pound fish. More than likely, that fish will take you home a very high-dollar prize in our tournaments because we eliminate the the opportunity to to go to those honey holes everybody is in it for themselves uh, a lot of opportunity and a lot of big fish we do random door prizes every three minutes uh, and we would love to have somebody come out and then give it a try we'll also loan you a rods reels tackle if you're a first-time angler so if you're brand new show up totally free we'll give you rods reels to use for the day tackle bait uh, and you can experience ice fishing for the first time it's just $45 pre-register and 55 at the door it makes a great Christmas gift or uh, stocking stuffer
1: now is there a lot of information online everything's online so you can go to tightlineoutdoors.com click on ice addiction
2: uh and you'll see everything right there you can also follow our facebook page tightline outdoors or, or follow our live feed on tuesday evenings at 6 30 and you can learn all about the tournaments in that fashion and you know just generally speaking we have just been talking about tournaments in general it's getting very popular countrywide i mean whether you fish the ice addiction tournament series which is our event um you're really reach though the whole concept of no cheating, no foul play. Everybody's in the same area where we watch it, it just make for a fun atmosphere. Um, but you have other lakes, like the Three Lakes Tournament up by Granby. You have all of Larry's tournaments at Eleven Mile. Um, you know the Lake John Derby. There's there's tournaments across the entire state, and it's neat to see that. You know a lot of people can say negative things about tournaments. You know it's commercializing the sport and such, but tournaments is a great way. Number one to to learn new things. Anytime that you're in a tournament of, of any type, open water, ice, bass, walleye, trout, um, anytime you put a competition available, you're going to learn new techniques, new practices, things that will teach you to, to catch more fish on a daily basis, not just tournament fishing. So I love the, the tournament aspect for the knowledge. I've never been to a tournament in my life, whether professionally or on a small scale, a small you know, city derby, I've never been in a tournament where I haven't learned a new technique that has later on helped me catch more and bigger fish. So We love it for that aspect. We also love the, the concept of getting more anglers together. Same type of thing. I've never been to a tournament where I didn't meet a new face to where later on down the road at the lake, or you set up a meeting where you, you grow the community of, of ice fishing. And so those concepts alone, uh, I encourage people to, to try out tournament fishing, whether it's mine, uh, or a different tournament I, I think I think trying out an ice tournament you'd be pleasantly surprised uh at the atmosphere and just generally what you get out of a out of an ice fishing tournament. well you also get
1: to you get to um find out the actual true size of fish <laughs>
2: absolutely that, <laughs> no, I that mean that's no. the truth and I'd say that does shock a lot of people when they're coming to the scale
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I was out with Al Linder once and uh. Somebody asked us that we were on one of the Great Lakes and said, how come so many 10-pound walleyes get caught practice, but very few get weighed? And Al said, that's what a 10-pound practice fish weighs when you get it to a scale. He said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nate, we're out of time. One last comment. You know the biggest thing, guys, is get out there and be
2: safe. Christmas is around the corner, ice fishing's upon us. Um, be safe when you get out there on the water. Uh, I'll be at Bass Pro Shops in Denver all day today. If you want to come by, stop by. I'm here now. I have a seminar at eleven o'clock. I'll be here till three. Uh, again, think about us for uh, for stocking stuffers and uh, guide trips and ice addiction.
1: Makes a great Christmas gift. All right, Nate. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Nate Zelensky. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week. All right, it is time for our Tackle Tip. We're still hoping to be joined by John Procno, the head of research and development for Berkeley Baits. John must have had something come up. We're going to talk about the gulp baits, about using gulp for both open water and ice fishing, but more for ice fishing right now. And I'm talking now, you know, you hear us talk on the show a lot about the gulp minnows. Chad, myself, Ronnie, uh, we all love that three. Two-and-a-half to four-inch gulp minnow with the three probably being our go-to on a jig head. And we use that ice fishing, too, by the way. It's a great bait, but we use it open-water and in um, ice fishing. And then we, uh, you hear us, you hear me talk about both the gulp and the power baits for my bass fishing, where I'll do a lot of worm fishing and things. And the new Maxent power bait is fantastic. We're going to do more about that as we get towards spring. I did do a video on that it's on my facebook page terry wickstrom outdoors if you scroll back and you'll see us talking about those baits and actually on the water catching fish with them but i want to talk now about the little gulp that comes in the jars if you go into sportsman's warehouse or other other bait and tackle stores you usually see a rack or a shelf that has little jars of gulp and gulp alive all right and the gulp that's in those jars are the smaller sizes micro-mini type baits. They come in a variety of of sizes and shapes. The number one seller is probably the one-inch gulp minnow. One of my favorites is the little gulp waxy. It's a little waxworm-looking thing. And one I've been using a lot the last couple of years is uh, it's a mini nightcrawler, a mini worm, and I get it in the red wiggler uh Color. They're, all these are available in multiple colors, and and they're just fantastic through the ice. Now, why are they so good for ice fishing baits? Originally, these baits and they have a minnow head size. They have a maggot one. They have different creatures. They have different shapes, and all of them work pretty well. Why are they so effective through the ice for trout and panfish? Well, first, they were designed as panfish baits to be fished usually below a bobber on a small jig. Uh, or right below the boat on a small jig if you could control the boat because you're using very lightweights and small baits. Very effective for panfish, bluegills, crappies, perch, just extremely effective. Uh, That's one of the reasons so effective for ice fish. A lot of the same baits that are effective for panfish are very effective for trout. The reason is they eat a lot of the same stuff. They eat a lot of insects. They eat a lot of worms. They eat... A lot of different, uh, bloodworm is a great example. Everything that swims will eat a bloodworm. Now, bloodworms, Berkeley makes a um, bait that they call their bloodworm, and it's about three inches long, and it's kind of in a red wiggler color. Very effective bait, but I go to uh, smaller baits for ice fishing, and that little mini worm is only about an inch and a half long and it's very thin. I use that pretty extensively in the last year, both in open water and ice fishing, with phenomenal results. And the reason the gulp is so effective, when you're ice fishing or when you're pan fishing below a bobber, the fish get a really great opportunity to look over your presentation. Now, power bait, I've used power bait from Berkeley for years. And once fish bite a power bait, they tend not to let go because it's got great taste in it. But you got it does disperse in the water a little, but for the most part, it's one. It's the action gets them to bite, and power bait will have a little better action than gulp. The gulp's a little stiffer, but power bait gets them to bite by action. But then they hang on because of the scent. Gulp not only gets them to bite from whatever action you're giving, what it looks like, but it disperses a lot of scent and flavor into the area. And the fish hone in on that. So they don't just take the presentation because of action or what's going on or color. They take it for scent. In fact, when fish get in very close to a small presentation, their vision gets a little skewed. Because when they're far away, they have binocular vision and they see it. Uh, From a distance, as they get closer, their eyes are more monocular and they're looking out of the side. They don't get the same recognition of shape and distance. And the scent really comes into play. And these small gulp baits just extrude scent and flavor into the water, making them so attractive. Open water and ice fishing. Uh, My neighbor girl, uh, the one that's gone through the battles with leukemia, we get her set up for fishing. She goes out and fishes trout. At a park pond near our house that's stocked, she takes a little gulp maggot, puts it about two or three feet below a bobber, or a casting bubble I think she uses. You could use either one, and puts it on a hook with no weight. You cast that out, that little maggot with all the scent and flavor just slowly slowly goes down, and that slow sinking action attracts those trout in. They get close, they smell, they taste it, they eat it. Incredibly effective. Same effect, ice fishing. Ten years ago, you would not have found me ice fishing without having some live bait with me. Now, there's times where I still carry some live bait. Usually, I borrow some from Brad Peterson and just steal his. But there's some times when I know that live bait may still be effective, and I'll switch back and forth to try just to see how effective the, um, the gulp is, but very seldom do I have to change. The gulp just works. In fact, in an open water situation, Greg Clausio and I were catching big bluegills in Minnesota and the gulp in the jars outfished the live bait because they didn't get ripped off as much. And we actually caught more big bluegills. We're using a little gulp pinch nightcrawler was called. So the gulp in the jars is an incredibly effective bait for open water and ice fishing. With ice fishing season coming, go pick out a few of your favorite shapes. I'd recommend getting the one-inch minnow. I'd get the waxies, and I'd get the, uh, if you can find it, get the mini worm. If you can't find the mini worm, buy one that's a little bigger and just cut some chunks so you get a look, a small-looking type of blood worm out of it. Fish them on small jigs through the ice. They're incredibly effective. You're going to catch fish. Berkeley gulp and gulp alive in the jars that's our tackle talk for today terry wickstrom outdoors is brought to you in part by sun power sports colorado's largest atv and motorcycle dealer terry wickstrom outdoors is brought to you in part by sportsman's warehouse america's premier outfitter by the way, um, if you were listening to that tackle talk in the last segment, we will post that on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is the focal point of this show. So if there's something you missed, you want to hear, something you want to get to, don't hesitate to uh, to just follow us and like us on Facebook. You'll get a lot of information, including every week we'll post uh, my column in the Denver Post, and we will We will also uh, take, post any new television shows we post on our YouTube channel. Right now, we're going to go right to the phones. And we've been telling you we're trying to help you get Christmas gifts for the outdoor enthusiast in your family. And joining us from the hunting department of Sportsman's Warehouse uh, in uh, Sheridan is Chris Bruner. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, a beautiful day out. It's hard to believe it's getting close to the holidays, but it will come and people will be out looking for ice fishing. They'll be hunting pheasants in the snow instead of the crunchy stuff, but we got a lot to do, but it's getting to be Christmas and a lot of people have an outdoor enthusiast and their family. So I thought I'd touch base a little bit about how sportsman's warehouse can help you shop for that outdoor enthusiast. And maybe a few of the great sales you got going on. Cause I know you've been posting these ads almost every week. First of all, Let's talk about what the experience at Sportsman's Warehouse would be like. If somebody comes in and they have a hunter or what or, or any outdoor enthusiast in their family, you guys are going to help them pick out the right gift, aren't you?
3: Absolutely. We'll get them squared away from A to B.
1: I know. Well, like, say, like, we talked a little bit about, you know, waterfall season, the next duck split is coming out, goose season's in full swing. Maybe somebody wants to... Uh, Get a call. A duck call can be a reasonably priced Christmas gift and something that somebody might be just getting into. Well, they could buy that duck call from you guys. You could help them pick out the right one. Probably comes with some some training videos if you want. But then they could come back in the store and talk to you guys about how to get started after they open it, couldn't they?
3: Absolutely. There's there's a few of us here at the store that are excellent callers and uh, can get them, you know, learn and what the, uh, the do's and don'ts and what calls to use at certain times and and uh, get them comfortable to go out in the field and be successful.
1: And, you know, that's the great part about Sportsman's Warehouse is that the guys that work there are enthusiasts. You're in the hunting department at Sportsman's Warehouse because you love hunting, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's the whole idea is that, uh, you know, finding a career that it may not be hunting, but it's associated with your passion. And you get to share it with people when they come in the store. I find that so true of every department. What kind of stuff? You got some recommendations? You got any really good sales? If I'm looking for that that hunter, that outdoor enthusiast in the family, what are some of the good sales you got going on right now?
3: Well, you know, we've got uh, currently we'll we have another ad drop in Friday, which is going to be a huge one. Uh, but currently right now we've got a Savage Access 2. Uh, in various calibers that's uh, uh, listing at two forty nine ninety nine normally three ninety nine ninety nine and uh, I tell you that's a it's an excellent starter gun. It's an excellent gun to get uh, you know uh, the youngster out getting him started in the field, uh, you know for someone who's not looking to spend a ton of money on it, but uh, definitely looking for quality.
1: You know a bolt action rifle. Is really the way to get started. I my first, well, the, my first two deer rifles were a lever lever action, old a Winchester, but then a bolt action as I went into other calibers. And the bolt action rifle, first of all, it's a it's a rifle that'll last you a lifetime because there isn't a lot of complexities in the action. If you take care of it, they last forever, and they're reliable and they're they're safer than a lot of other types of actions to learn to use. Absolutely. And what uh, what calibers do you recommend? Around here, I, I, I'm sure it depends on what kind of big game. But somebody is going to get into deer or elk hunting. What are the calibers you recommend?
3: You know, you know, if you're going to get into deer or elk hunting, you know, you have the, uh, you've got several calibers that you can get the job done with. Uh, we like to tell people, you start with a 30 out six. Typically, every mom and pop shop up in the mountains has 30 out six ammunition available. And just in case you forget your ammo because you're so excited, you know, you head out the door and you forget it. Uh, but you know, there's Several other calibers, you know, two seventy is an American classic. That's still a lot of guys like to run, um, but you know, and even for the uh, the the youth, you know, starting out deer hunting, we like to recommend two forty threes and and stuff like that, so that there's not such a recoil on the, you know, on the on the little guy.
1: I, I believe my wife Karen started with a two forty three as her first hunting rifle. Is that right, Karen? The two forty three. She says, yep. So that's, uh, and it is a good caliber, uh, you know, and, uh, you learn to shoot better with some of the, uh, some of the, the calibers like that. A couple other things you got on sale before we let you go. I heard you got some good sales on trail cams too. We, we do. We,
3: we've got a, uh, uh, a stealth cam, um, Ten megapixels right now, normally one twenty nine ninety nine, and right now we're retailing it for ninety four ninety nine. Um, you know, goodbye for anybody who's curious what's going on in, you know, the backyard or, or up on the trail.
1: Another thing you told me about is you have a great selection of earmuffs and safety glasses for those per- people that are maybe just getting into shooting or don't realize it. Even shooting outside, you when you're practicing, you should be wearing earmuffs. You got selections of that and I'll bet you have cleaning supplies too.
3: Uh, tons of it. Tons, of it. we've got every every little stocking stuffer you could imagine, you know, from from cleaning brushes to eyes and ears and and uh, everything in between. Um, you know, the electronic earmuffs are are probably something that most guys aren't going to buy themselves, but uh, once they get a pair, they'll never go back to earbuds.
1: I know they're fantastic, and a lot of them let conversation and other sounds in, but block out the sudden burst of a shot so they really exactly. do protect you without uh, without hindering other things the last thing before i let you go would be gift certificates you know sometimes it's difficult to shop for an outdoor enthusiast because they want to personalize what they buy but if you buy a gift certificate from sportsman's warehouse it still says i know you're an outdoorsman i understand what you love here's something i want you to spend on what you love exactly yeah and you and you have multiple denominations well, zero, zero to $500 or anywhere in between. My wife uh, would get me one that was zero, so. <laughs> <laughs> and,
3: and, they're, and they're good in, at every single sportsman's warehouse. So if you buy one here at my store, it's valid all the way up to Alaska.
1: Chris, thank you so much. Great, great You're gift welcome. ideas. I hope people take advantage of it. Look for the ad, and you've got another big ad coming out. So lots of deals there. It's the place to go. I'm in one of your shops almost every week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Terry. Chris Bruner from Sportsman's Warehouse. Let's go right back to the phones, talking about products that I use almost every week, and there's some in my refrigerator right now. Uh, joining us from uh, Honey Smoke Fish Company is Skylar. Skylar, good morning. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing fantastic. And I was thinking about your product earlier before I even got in the air. I got a package. And before we get into some of the things, I know you want to tell us about the holiday uses and things. But one of the things I have to constantly remind people of, they go to the grocery store and they see that the package of Honey Smoked Fish Company salmon is more expensive than the other packages. And I was telling them, pick up and look at the price per ounce. Because honey smoked is about half the price per ounce, they give you a bigger piece of salmon. I said you have to. It tastes so good. You wouldn't. You don't like to eat the other stuff, but this stuff you love. So they got to give you a bigger piece. <laughs> exactly.
4: Usually, uh, smoked salmon is roughly about four ounces sold at a grocery store. Uh, we are usually around ten to twelve. If you go to a club store, it's about approximately one pound packaging. And price per ounce, you are absolutely right. It is very cost-efficient. And keep in mind, it's highly concentrated, so a little goes a long ways.
1: Oh, and there's so many uses, especially this time of the year. What do you like to put it in, Skylar?
4: I love to put it in my salads. I love to put it in my eggs and my omelets. Uh, for the holidays, they're great for family gatherings, family dinners, uh, make appetizers, make beautiful spreads out of it. But also keep in mind for your Christmas parties, for your New Year's parties. There's, or if you're, we come from a Jewish family. If you're Hanukkah dinners and appetizers, there's, just, there's so much you can really create with it. And uh, growing up, you know, our, our product was known for a specialty item only during the holidays. Now we, are, of course, made that demand. So we are year-round, and people enjoy it every single day of the year. But for the holidays, it's something special to bring to the table.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing I tell people. I tell people, if you're invited to a holiday party and you you want to bring an appetizer... Bring a package of Honey Smoke Fish Company salmon and some crackers and just get a plate from the host. Just open it up the way it is. Lay the crackers out. I will guarantee that every time you do that, yours will be gone first. Your appetizer will be the hit of the party, and everybody will be coming up saying, Wow, that was so good. Where did you get it? Where can they get it, Skyler?
4: They can get it at King Super, Safeway, Sprouts, Costco, and
1: Sam's Club. All right. Skylar, thank you so much. And if I don't talk to you before, make sure you have a Merry Christmas.
4: You too, Terry. Remember, the secret's in the fire. It is. Thanks,
1: Skylar. Skylar from from Honey Smoked Fish Company. And we are going to take a break here in a minute. And Ronnie Castelloni is going to join us and talk some fishing and rivers. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. The Eagles, take it to the limit. One of their best all-time songs. Not as good as the Beatles, but... Yeah, the Beatles couldn't tune the guitars of the Eagles. Beatles are great. Eagles were off the charts. We'll talk more about that later. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. And now we're going to go to the phones. And Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker is going to share some secrets that will make all of you expert anglers. Good morning, Ronnie
0: good morning mr terry how's you going this
1: morning i'm doing well you know we haven't been out on the water in a long time my friend well i'm standing next to the water right now terry i Just haven't said we haven't i meant we haven't been out together
0: <laughs> there you go well heck we should uh we'll probably, let's get out on some ice as soon as we get some ice here in the front range
1: and i don't think it's we'll going to be as far out as people think because we're seeing skim ice already and um, all we need is two or three cold days. But I think right now you want to talk more about rivers.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Terry. I am calling you from the Poudre River. I'm standing right next to it. Here, you know, right in the middle of Fort Collins, basically. I'm uh, just a few miles from I-25 here on the the – Pooter River, and I think, you know, up and down the front range this time of year, there's definitely an angling opportunity that presents itself that a lot of the, you know, local anglers and stuff tend to ignore, Terry, and that is fishing the rivers here in town. I'm here to tell you that this time of year, there's a few things that happen down here on the lower sections of the river that really make for some excellent angling
1: opportunities, Terry. Well I'm sure there are and one of them probably is the water cools, the trout get more active in these parts, and there are other species also.
0: Yeah, 100% on that. The water's definitely cool. These trout that are in this lower part of the river are very, very active right now. They're very, very happy fish. You catch them, they're very strong. They pull for a long time and so they're happy as can be. Uh, the other thing that, that, that's kind of the case right now on most of the most of the rivers here in the state is that the flows tend to drop this time of year. So we don't have a tremendous amount of water coming down the Poudre River right now. Well, what that does, Terry, is on these lower sections of the river, when the water's real high, when it's Flowing real hard, you end up with these real kind of wide meadowy sections of the river that are very difficult to fish when the water's high because you can't really wade around them effectively, and there's not a lot of shore access. As these rivers shrink down this time of year and they get real, real skinny like this, then what happens is a lot of those meadowy areas that are usually covered in that water all summer long they're bone dry, Carrie. And so now you have a shoreline that surrounds this river up and down here through the through the town. And so it makes it very easy to access the river this time of year, Terry. You can get to spots that, you know, in the summer you might have seen, but there are 100 yards out there in the middle of this swamp. Right now you can walk right up to them, Terry. And just to give you an idea, you know, the fishing's been very, very good here today in the pooter. My very first fish this morning, Terry, and I've only been out here for about 20 minutes or so, my very first fish this morning was a 4-pound cut bow, a big old jaw male that was as pretty as can be. And, you know, that's an awesome fish to catch literally 7 minutes away. From my house, Terry. So uh it's a pretty cool opportunity. I think people should take advantage
1: of it. Well, I I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of the fall fishing. We talk a lot of ice fishing this time of the year, but we've had some good weather and uh there's still a lot of open water. Rivers especially will stay fishable for quite some time. And those uh especially with those lower flows, the sun heats it up. And my my experience, Ronnie, has been that fishing this time of the year on the rivers can be a banker's hours experience. When the water warms a little bit from the sun, the fish actually get more active and you're more comfortable.
0: Yeah, you don't need to get out real early. You definitely don't need to be out real late. No doubt about that. It's been my experience in general, that trout in the rivers, Uh, They'll eat all day long, Terry. They're swimming all day long. They're burning calories all day long. So it's more about when you're comfortable and when you can get near them to catch them. You know, and so, and the other thing to mention, you know, I'm talking about the Pooner River today, but there's a a few other rivers up and down the front range that we should mention as well. The Big Thompson, even though we had a flood a few years back, the lower sections of the Big Thompson down near and around I-25 are fishing very good again, Terry. People are catching some really nice fish in and around, uh, you know, that section of the river. I've heard some very good things from Arkansas River down there in Pueblo, of course, and that's one that we talk about here on the show all the time. That's a pretty good section of fish. I'll tell you what, when I fished that river down there, Terry, uh, you know, we started out up by the dam coming out of uh, Pueblo Reservoir there, you know, and that looks real pretty and looks real great, but we really didn't do all that much damage right there on the fish, Terry. It was when we got into town, when we were literally standing in front of some of the recreational buildings that are much closer to town, that's when we caught our best fish when we and Chad filmed down there. And so, you know, I, I I just want people to understand that you don't have to take an hour drive up into the mountains to get on these pristine, you know, backflow little areas coming out of these these lakes that are frozen. Uh, you know, you can get on open water here in town. Maybe in, in Longmont, there's some sections of the St. Vrain you can actually get on and fish right there. Uh, you know, you go a little bit farther south in that Colorado Springs, you can find a fountain creek that runs through Colorado Springs right there. A lot of fish get
1: caught right there in the middle of town, Terry. So what? don't ignore that. Especially this time of year, Terry. Well, on the South Platte through Denver, produces fish year-round. People don't don't fish it enough. I've seen a nine-pound brown come out right by the uh, Riverwalk area on the South Platte.
0: I know. It's crazy, right? I've seen so many pictures of, of the, the buildings in the background. And if you want to put up a cool picture on Facebook, get yourself a big, beautiful trout that you caught in the middle of an urban area and get that background shot so that people can see that you're in the middle of a city and you've just caught this big, beautiful fish. you put that thing on Facebook, it's going to go 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 pretty, pretty viral. People are going to like the looks of that, Terry. And so it's definitely an opportunity to get out. Now, we should probably mention about how I like to go about catching these fish, Terry. There's definitely a lot of ways to do it. And you can definitely approach it with a fly rod this time of year. It's actually a really good time of year to get out with a fly rod while the flows are real low like this. And the river is low because now you're not standing with your back right up next to the trees because the river's shrunk down. You've got plenty of room for your back cast. Me this time of year, Terry, I'm doing a lot of jig fishing this time of year, which is kind of a standard deal for me. All the fish I caught this morning, Terry, you were talking about it just a little bit ago. I caught them all so far on a three inch gulp minnow on a 16th or an 8th ounce jig head, Terry. And And that's been the thing that's done the damage, and that's kind of a no surprise for me, Terry.
1: Well, I did an article for Fishing Facts Magazine 20 or 30 years ago, Ronnie, and I I started out by saying I'm going to irritate my fly fishing friends a little bit, and I love to fly fish, and I do it a lot, but I'm going to tell you right now that if you're willing to tie on a jig, and back then it was either a soft plastic or a marabou, I said, and go fish these same rivers, you'll almost always be more successful, especially on the big fish.
0: Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, one of the things I want to mention, too, is that you want to travel light when you're down here on these on these lower sections because what you'll find is you'll find small areas where there's some elevation drop in the river that has some rocks and some pools and some really nice runs, or you may find the occasional spillway or something like that, but then on these lower sections, you'll get maybe a half a mile or so of that river that's real flat and kind of barren of anything. So you want to be able to hike around really, really easy and get around. I actually suggest, you know, bringing a bike down to a lot of these rivers because a lot of them have a bike trail that run right next to them, Terry, and you can ride that bike in between the pools and get out and kind of fish and do that sort of a thing. Uh, Don't wear waders this time of year when you're doing this. I mean, it it, it helps the fly guys to be able to make the cast that they need to be able to make to get to, like, say, the opposite side of the river and that kind of a thing. Like you're talking about with a jig, Terry. there's pretty much nowhere right now on the Poudre River that I can't cross to the far side of the river and hit those pools without waiting at all. So, you know, that's another big advantage to fishing the jig on the spinning rod this time of year, Terry.
1: Well, you mentioned something Karen and I used to do. We would take a fanny pack with just a few jigs and a few, uh, a few different soft baits and, and maybe a couple spinners and then two medium action rods, medium light. We'd take our bikes and we'd go fish the ponds and the rivers and we'd stop and fish them and make a, I'd get a little exercise to burn off some of that, uh, extra wine that I drank and we'd get it done. And what a great day. And what a, and this weather we're having right now, what a great day to get out and enjoy it, get some fishing in and, uh, and just have a good time. Ronnie, couple minutes left. Any you hearing about any other types of bites or anything that uh, maybe a little bit of ice up in the elevations, anything going on you can turn people onto? Well,
0: I haven't heard anything really hot and heavy as of yet, Terry. My suspicion is that Red Feather Lakes is going to start fishing pretty good up there right now on, on Parvin and, you know, some of the other lakes that are up there. Um, what tends to happen, though, this time you hear Terry, is people don't want to let other people know that the ice has formed up there on Red Feather. Uh, it tends to be a few weeks after it's up there that you actually hear that there's ice up on those lakes. So those are lakes that I have my eyes on. Horsefish has been fishing pretty good for smallmouth. In particular, uh, all those fish we've been catching vertically, however, Terry, we've been catching them down in that, you know, maybe 30 to 40-foot range, uh, slabbing some spoons or working blade baits, or maybe uh, another bait that's been producing pretty good is a spy bait, Terry. That's one of those propped minnow-style baits that sinks, uh, casting that thing out, letting that thing sink all the way down to the bottom where it's 30 feet deep down there near those dam faces and things like that, and then just slow reeling that spy bait, let those little props spin a little bit. That's been producing as well on smallmouth as well. Well,
1: Terry. Well, and we should let people know if you're going out on Horse Tooth, is either shore or hand launchable.
0: Yeah, it's definitely hand launched now, Terry. So, and there's a lot of good shore access up on Horse Tooth. So, you know, we haven't seen a real big inflow of current yet. They're not filling the reservoir yet. And what we believe is going on is they're doing some construction work up at Granby on some of the power lines. And we actually saw some video just the other day that Bernie Keith put out of uh, helicopters that are up there pulling these power lines. And so that, we think, is affecting the Big Thompson Water Project right now as far as the water flow coming down. But once that flow does start coming into the Horsetooth Reservoir there through the Big Thompson Water Project, uh, that's one of my favorite places to fish all winter long. Ontario. Uh, any of those big trout that are left in the reservoir, they'll nose their way up into that
2: current once it starts coming down, Terry.
1: All right, Ronnie, we're out of time. But of course, if people want to contact you, they can. They can find you at Fishful Thinker. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you again in a couple weeks, and we will get out on the water together. Sounds good, Terry. You have a good one, Ronnie Castiglione, Always a great source of uh, information. Hey, a couple things real quick. We got to wind things up here. But if you're headed up to Estes Park today. Uh, Kirk's Fly Shop is having their open house. Some of the most famous fly fishing authors in the country are going to be signing books there. And if you go into Kirk's, and tell them you heard about it on Terry Wickstrom's show, you get one item at half price. That could be a $600 fly rod, but if you say, I heard it on Terry Wickstrom's show, half price today at Kirk's Fly Shop and Estes, don't forget to follow us on Facebook. It's so important. That's the centerpiece of this show, my column in the Denver Post, and our video and TV work. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Thanks to Kyle and Karen for making me look like I know what I'm doing. We've got uh, sports coming up after this. We'll see you again. Right here next week We'll let the Eagles Take us to the top of the hour On 104.3 The Fan
3: I saw a